The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty, ultra-alkaline, lithium, and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Guys, the apocalypse is happening. You don't know what's going on. If the power starts to go out, who knows at this point. All right, you're going to need some batteries, so make sure you go to Summit Batteries and stock up. Uh, you can order today and use code BOSTON, that's all uppercase BOSTON, and save 20% off your entire order. Once again, this coupon code BOSTON at checkout and save big today. SummitsBatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Drolly Dreams for the intro music. We're here recording ahead of NFL free agency. Do not worry. Colin and I are individually quarantined uh, ahead of the uh, coronavirus, uh, you know, with, with the outbreak happening. We, uh, you know, these. I know these audio uh, podcasts might sound like we're in the same room because I, I don't do the recording over, uh, you know, the phone call or whatever that you hear a lot of people do when they do remote podcasts. I have usually the guests pretty pretty good about recording their own audio and s- sharing with me. It helps the quality a little bit, but it might make it seem like, uh, you know, we're in the same location, but we're not. I, I Rest assured, we are individually in our in our own uh, houses quarantining during the coronavirus. So, uh, Colin, how's your quarantine going? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, you said it best. It, it's definitely an odd time. There's a lot going on. It's borderline pandemonium out there. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice to be able to still have something to talk about. And it's kind of come down to NFL free agency with everything else put on pause. So I would say my quarantine would be a little bit better if I was quarantined watching basketball every night or, you know, watching college basketball, XFL, whatever it may be, any sports at this point. But you know what? We've got some rumors to talk about. We've got some, you know, contract tracks coming in some moves happening so there's at least a little something to be excited about we stay looking on the bright side over here all right we are going to do an nfl free agency preview it's already kind of opened up here uh we're going to get talk about that in a second some of the deals uh one in particular that just came down but we're gonna we're gonna run through a few of the big names some as it relates to the patriots some as it relates to league-wide some of the biggest names out there in the league a few names you know are expected to get franchised here Derrick Henry, probably going to get franchise tagged. Dak Prescott, probably going to get franchise tagged. So we're just going to leave them out of the discussion for the most part. Um, but other guys uh, you know, who, who aren't expected to get tagged and who haven't agreed to deals yet, we're going to get into. So uh, Hunter Henry, another guy expected to get tagged, so we're not going to talk much about him. But uh, let's just start with some of the Patriots guys. We're going to leave Tom Brady to the end. There's been a lot of Tom Brady talk. So we're going to start with some of the other guys. We'll finish with Tom Brady. Okay, so so let's uh, we'll start with the Patriots' perspective, then go league-wide. So first guy we're going to talk about here is Joe Tooney. Now, uh, Tooney, one of the best guards in the league, all pro. And what we're going to do here, we're going to just run through each name, and we're going to kind of give some destinations, what we think the contract's going to look like, and talk about the player a little bit. So for Tooney... Let's start there, and I'm, I'll start. I just, you know, I, I look at all the teams with cap space in their offensive line situations, 
And I think the Bills would be a great team for Joe Sooney. They could really use him on the offensive line. Obviously, they've seen him enough. They, you know, they played the Patriots enough, very familiar with them. And they're a team that said, you know, I don't, they, they're not really sure that how much they're going to use their cap space. They're not going to spend their money just to spend it. And I think, it, you know, they have $77 million, So if they do want to use $14, 15000000 million on that to protect Josh Allen a little bit, solidify their offensive line, if they really believe he's a franchise guy and, you know, that he's someone they need to protect, you want a good offensive line anyway. So... Uh, I think Tooney would be a great player for them to add. Uh, I, you know, I just I look at Tooney. I, I mean, I don't know that he's uh, the all-pro level guard that he kind of played to being last season, but you know, he's a very solid option on the offensive line. He's been a solid player for the Patriots for years. I think he probably won't be worth the money he's going to get. He probably won't be one of the top five guards in the league, but I think he's consistently going to be an above-average player at that position, especially as a pass protector. And if you're the Bills and you, you're gonna, you want to just spend a little bit of money to help your team, you were a playoff team last year, you should at least commit to it financially somewhat. I would say you don't have to go all out. You don't have to spend all of it, but spend you know a decent chunk on an offensive lineman that's you can pretty reliable. I would say that's a good investment. So if I was the Bills, I would go after Joe Tooney. I'd say that's not my number one team. Uh, a, a number two team, I, I'm I'm gonna just say the Buccaneers. You know, I think that their their offensive line's pretty good. But I think especially if uh, they're bringing in a certain quarterback, which, you know, not the last time I'm going to mention the Buccaneers during this podcast, some familiarity there could help. They have a lot of money to spend. They seem like they want to go all in this year. And if they get that opportunity to go all in, then uh, I think Tooney would be a great add to that to that team. Yeah, I, I think you, you kind of touched upon it, um, you know, with Tooney probably going to get overpaid compared to maybe what he should get. Um, but, you know, it's something we've seen with Patriots offensive linemen before. You see Nate Solder, you see Trent Brown, and guys who, you know, their, their value was at an all-time high when they were walking out of the doors, you know, from New England, and they were rewarded for it. Um, so it's kind of, you know, been, been a pattern. We've at least seen repeat itself a couple times in the past. So, yeah, I think, you know, Joe Tooney's going to get paid, um, and that's why I think it's very highly unlikely um, that you ever see him play another snap for the Patriots at this point. Um, I'm going to stick in the AFC East for for my you know best ideal destination for Joe Tooney, and I'm going to say the Jets. Um, Jets, another team, ton of cap space. Um, you know, this is going to be the first offseason really where Joe Douglas is in control from you know the beginning to the end of the offseason. So he's going to have the ability to you know kind of to shape the way that he wants the team to go. Um, and, and I think there's no better thing for him to do with his resources, his money right now than you know try to protect Sam Darnold. They think they have their franchise guy there under center. Um, so you, you know you want to block for him. Also, if you're gonna you know hopefully get Le'Veon going, it would be nice you know to have a, a plus guard on the offensive line. So I'm going to say the Jets, um, but I do. I, I like the the couple destinations you mentioned in Buffalo and Tampa Bay. And I'll just say that I think there's going to be a ton of teams. Like Joe Tooney's the type of player that if you've got salary cap space, you know, you're probably at least going to look into, you know, what his market is like. Um, so I think he'll be a popular player out on the market. And, you know, you could have a team that, you know, no one really even thinks about come out of nowhere and pay him um, because you've seen how much offensive linemen are valued, especially the ones that come out of New England. So I think we both agree no return to the Patriots inside for Joe Tooney this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, obviously it would be nice, but I mean, unfortunately, I think the Patriots have other holes that they really need to fill. Um, 
And, you know, obviously the offensive line is important, but the Patriots have proven in the past that they are pretty good at finding guys, whether it be in the mid-rounds of the draft or, you know, bargain guys on free agency. Like I mentioned, Trent Brown, Patriots bring him in. You know, he's, he's not really a household name. Then he becomes, you know, one of the highest paid offensive linemen in history. So, you know, I think that because of that, the Patriots know that they can probably fill this hole. And also they've already paid Shaq Mason and other guards a significant amount of money on their offensive line. Mason had a down year last year, obviously. You know, Tooney was a superior player, but they don't. their hands are really tied in that regard. They can't do much to get rid of, you know, Shaq Mason's contract. He just signed it, so there's there's not much they can do there. So uh, I think that you have to let Tooney walk, and you have to hope Shaq Mason has a bounce back year next year. Um, all right, let's talk about Devin McCourty, who actually, as we're recording this podcast, just re-signed with the Patriots. Two years, $23 million, so we're not going to talk about where he's going to sign anymore, but what do you think of him signing with the Patriots? Yeah, I think they value a lot more than just his you know, play on the field. It's his leadership. It's his brain, the way he you know helps other guys in the defense be better players, be the best versions of themselves. So yeah, I would say the Patriots understand you know the full picture of the value that he can bring to a team. All right, last couple guys here, notable players for the Patriots that are hitting free agency, Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. Mainly Van Noy, Jamie Collins I find a little less interesting. He, you know, not the same player. He used to be at a good start to the year, but really uh, it didn't end up being as good as he was in that September for the rest of the season. So I can't see him getting a very big contract from anybody. But for, as far as Kyle Van Noy goes, where do you see him landing? Do you think he could resign with the Patriots or do you think he's gone? See, Van Noy's a player that, you know, personally, I, I love. I've loved him on the Patriots. I've loved what he's brought to the team. You know, the, the versatility is key, and I think, unfortunately, he's going to get paid, um, you know, based on that versatility. There, You know, there are a lot of teams out there who value the stuff that Kyle Van Noy can do. He's athletic. He can get to the passer. Um, you know, he's, he's a very good player, but ultimately, he's probably going to get paid more than he's worth. I think it's another case of, you know, a different position, obviously, but a guy whose value, you know, got really, really high, you know, he, he benefited too. You know, you mentioned Jamie Collins had a good first half of the season. Not that Van Noy had a bad second half, um, but his first half was, you know, very impressive as well. Um, so, yeah, I think if I had to, you know, pick a team, it wouldn't be the Patriots. It, the Dolphins and the Lions, I mean, these are teams with money and these are teams with Patriots ties. I know Van Noy was a Lion before they gave up on him, so it'd be a little interesting to you know, see that turn around and have him go back there. Um, but I don't know. He's, he's also a culture guy, a guy that, you know, is very well liked by his teammates. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess if I had to pick one and narrow it down, I would say Miami. I think Flores is a guy who, who sees his value, understands all the different things that you can do with him um, and would hopefully, you know, be able to get him down there to help out what is, you know, basically a rebuilding defense at this point. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I had the Dolphins and the Lions as well. I just look at both of those teams. They have teams that have money to spend, money capable of, you know, that is enough money to sign Kyle Van Noy. They're teams with needs at linebackers, teams that have defensive-minded uh, coaches where uh, that Kyle Van Noy had a lot of success with and was, you know, coaches that he emerged as a player with, really. So I think both of those situations make a whole lot of sense for him. And outside of that, I don't see a whole lot of other situations that make a ton of sense. I think if there was one other team I had to pick, maybe I'd say the Seahawks. If they lose to Davion Clowney, if they want to bring Kyle Van Noy in and use him in that same role as like a, you know, a pat, just a pure pass rusher, which he was really good at for the, in his time with the Patriots when they, you know, put him in that spot, which was a lot more as, as the, he, his uh, time with the Patriots went on here. They just used him a lot more primarily as a, as a pass rusher. 
And, uh, you know, so if there was one other team, I'd say the Seahawks, but I think the Lions and the Dolphins make a lot more sense. And I, th- I could actually see him having success in those places. I think for the most part, if he signed anywhere else, I don't see him having the same amount of success that, you know, he would with the, with those other coaches. And I, I don't even know that he will have that same success out of New England, but that's his best shot is with either of those two teams. Um, all right, so let's move on now to the outside perspective. Uh, you know, players other than the Patriots, big names around the league that are going. I just mentioned one. We'll transition immediately to him, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Clowney, supposedly, you know, the, the Seahawks aren't going to franchise tag him. I think that's been the latest on Clowney, so... Where do you think could be a good landing spot for Clowney? I know that this is a guy that I think he was franchise tagged last year and then, of course, traded to the Seahawks. They couldn't come to a deal. He's looking for a huge payday and hasn't necessarily earned it, I would say. So, I, I don't know. Where could you see Clowney fitting uh, and where do you think would be a good landing spot for him? Yeah, I mean, uh, KJ, I know you're a Michigan fan, so you remember this moment, but I feel like Jadavion Clowney is still getting credit for the massive hit he had uh, against Michigan years ago. That was, you know, the top play on SportsCenter for months. It's like his reputation is almost a little bit better um, than the production. Obviously, still a very good player. There's a reason he's a top 10 or top 5, probably even free agent on the market this offseason. I, you know, it's, it's strange to me with the Seahawks thing because, you know, this is a team that... You know, they put themselves out there. They gave up draft picks last offseason to go get him. Um, and now, you know, like you said, they're probably not going to franchise him. So it's it's a little bit interesting, um, you know, kind of bouncing around from team to team. And I don't know if maybe that's a value problem, a fit problem. I don't exactly know. Um, but if I were to guess with Jadavion, I would say probably the Giants and the Colts would be the two that I would go with. Um, you know, the, the Colts, obviously you got a nice young linebacker there, Darius Leonard, who's leading your defense. Um, but you could use a nice pass rusher to go along, you know, along with him. That would be Jadavion Clowney. And then the Giants, the Giants is one, um, that I've heard circulated a lot. I have a lot of friends who are Giants fans who really want him. Um, obviously, you know, friends who want him doesn't mean that the front office wants him, but it seems like, uh, you know, a fit that at least makes sense for him to go to the Giants, another team that needs as much help on defense as they can get and you know help on defense starts by getting to the quarterback good things happen when you get to the quarterback so yeah I I would say those two teams Colts Giants would be the the top options for Clowney yeah I think the Colts are an interesting one you know of course they they have Justin Houston so it would be interesting to see what they did with him if they did bring in Clowney and what his how his role might change I think the Buccaneers are an interesting one if if they kind of strike out on their you know first options and where they want to spend their money if they lose Shaquille Barrett for whatever reason I think Clowney could be a name there but mainly I, I just want to bring up the pretty much the entire NFC East I mean I think that's that's a, the, the the spot for him I mean Giants Cowboys and uh, not the Eagles probably but I think that the Redskins you know the the, the Redskins and Cowboys two teams that. The Redskins don't have as much cap space. The Cowboys do have a bit, uh, you know, I, and I think two teams that really, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Cowboys with, obviously, they have Amari Cooper to worry about and Dak Prescott, but, you know, I, those are two teams that love the big names, and I think that Clowney, you know, they have Demarcus Lawrence, obviously, in Dallas, so could you put Clowney on the other edge and just send those two after quarterbacks and, and you know, try to wreak havoc on the league like that? And as far as the Redskins go, I mean, they're just a team that likes to throw around their money. And like you said, Clowney's a guy that is is really a lot about hype. And, you know, he, he was, obviously, if you look back on that draft that he was taking in, you see names behind him like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald and the defensive impact that those two guys have had compared to what, what he's been able to do in his career. And it's just, it's very clear that he, he was not the player that people thought he was going to be and that he was pro- not the right choice at number one. I mean, there were, there were other guys that 
have performed, you could say, to the level that people thought Jadavion Clowney was going to be able to perform. And, you know, he they just weren't able to, uh, Clowney just wasn't able to live up to that hype uh, for him. But I think that he still has that brand recognition, that name recognition. And if there are two teams out there that would buy into that, I think it'd probably be the Cowboys and the Redskins. So those are the two teams I'm going to list. Did you have a thought on that at all? Yeah, I, the only thing that I would say is it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, you know, with the draft, um, because obviously right. the Redskins are a team that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but if they go chase Young, do you then, you know, allocate a bunch of money also to another pass rusher? Um, or do you just stick with, you know, your young guy in a rookie deal? Um, but I mean, there's a who knows what's going to happen. The draft is always crazy. You know, it seems like the match made in heaven that you get Joe Burrow off the board one and that leaves Chase Young, quote unquote, best talent in the draft to go to the Redskins at two but who knows maybe they don't trust Haskins maybe they trade down get some value so someone can go up and get Tua so I think that plays a role um but yeah I mean what you mentioned with the Cowboys that would be uh that would be something to behold if you ask me Demarcus Lawrence and Jadavion Clowney is not shabby at all and like you said they'd probably wreak some havoc on offensive lines and quarterbacks uh, across the league yeah and I think that uh you know the real if, if they do end up going after Clowney which again that's just speculation at this point but if they do end up doing that then I think maybe you could look at that as maybe a sign that they are going to draft Tua. I mean, there's been speculation here in recent weeks that they may be looking at Tua. You just said maybe they don't trust Haskins. So if they do go after a guy like Clowney, that could possibly point to that they're really leading that way. And, you know, in the event, I mean, you know, Tua, I doubt he's going to compete for the number one spot. So, I mean, he could fall right into their lap. And if they like him enough, then they go after him and they could sign Clowney too. So I think those two options are on the table and I don't know that the Redskins will go after him I just know that people have said in the past their ownership and their leadership there in Washington they love the big names and really Clowney's a player that's all about the name recognition so that's why uh, I bring that up the next name I want to bring up a guy that we also just previously mentioned when we talked about the Cowboys Amari Cooper uh you know it looks like the Cowboys aren't going to come to an agreement with Dak Prescott they're going to have to franchise tag him so that leaves Amari Cooper free to to hit the market and hit free agency so where do you think would be some good landing spots for him? He's going to be the number one wide receiver on the market. So a lot of teams out there that need receivers, uh, you know, could could definitely bring him in. He, you know, after have, struggling kind of with Oakland, he had some good years. He had some bad years. They end up getting a first for him uh, when tra- they traded him to the Cowboys. A lot of people were stunned that they were able to get that much value for him. And then Cooper obviously ends up having great success with the Cowboys. So where do you think would be a good fit for him in free agency? I mean, honestly, I think the best fit is still the Cowboys. Um, you know, the, obviously the Cowboys haven't gotten over the hump in the past couple of years, but I think you saw a pretty significant change to their offensive success and the comfort of Dak Prescott once he had Amari Cooper. And, you know, having Amari Cooper, you know, allowed a little less pressure on Michael Gallup. He kind of emerged this year. Um, so I think for both parties, for the Cowboys and Amari Cooper, um, the best spot is probably Dallas. But, you, you know, this is a quarterback-driven league. We talk about quarterbacks all the time. And, you know, their main priority is Dak Prescott. So they have to get that figured out. And, you know, you would think if they were going to come up with some, store, some sort of extension mega deal that, you know, has been talked about and floated around for what feels like a whole year now, that they would have already made some progress on it. So it feels like, you know, like you said, they're going to have to, 
use the the franchise tag on Prescott unless things get you know moving pretty rapidly. Um, so it might make it difficult because you know you got decisions to make if they're you know you're going to look for help on the pass rush. You're not going to be able to, you know, maybe re-sign Cooper and Byron Jones, or you might not even be able to sign Cooper and Byron Jones alone without spending money other places. So, I mean, that that makes it a little difficult for the Cowboys. So I will mention a couple other teams um, that I think if things don't work out with the Cowboys could swoop in and be a good spot. And, and for me, that's the, uh, the Eagles and the Cardinals. I, I think... Oh my goodness. I had the exact same teams. I literally was going to say, I was looking down my list and I said, you know what? It's going to be hard for these two teams to fit them in under their cap, but they are perfect for them. They have needs at receiver and they have just enough money that it's not totally unrealistic that, that they could, they, I had the exact same two I was eyeballing. Hey, you know what? They, they say great minds think alike here. Um, and that's just an example of it. But yeah, I mean, you, you said it best. They, they have glaring needs at wide receiver. You look at, you know, Carson Wentz, who last year was like, just, just give the guy some help. I mean, he, I, I'm not going to say that I'm the biggest believer in Carson Wentz, but I think he's a better quarterback than he's been in the past couple seasons because it's just, he's had the worst luck with his weapons. Um, and you know, they're, probably you know losing some of the guys they already had even though the guys they had couldn't stay healthy um so yeah i think the eagles would be probably the best but you know you look at kyler murray a guy who's shown a ton of potential but you know outside of you know some big games for christian kirk who to me kind of seems like a hot and cold type of player and you know you're round and third with larry fitzgerald on his career so it makes sense you know you have all this, you know, draft capital invested in Kyler Murray, not just the number one overall pick, but you use the top 10 pick on Josh Rosen just to give him away so you could get Kyler Murray. So you're so invested as a franchise in Kyler Murray that you think, you know, Steve Kahn would probably want to get him a, a nice toy to play with. So uh, I'm going to go with those two teams. I'm, I'm sorry I took the words out of your mouth, but, you know, those ones just felt right to me. Well, just so I don't repeat you, I'll bring up one other team, and I wasn't going to bring this team up because it, it, I'm just going to say right off the bat, it'd be so ridiculous and it's it's I feel like it's a stupid idea but I'll, I'll say him anyway the Raiders also have a glaring need at wide receiver and I know that they traded him and it didn't work out with Derek Carr and all that stuff and that, you know so even if they do bring in another quarterback they're gonna have that cap space to worry about and then do they even have enough cap space to really bring in Cooper and address everything else that they need to address on their roster and is his relationship severed with some of the other people there never mind Derek Carr is John his relationship with John Gruden and all these other people and what have you. They still have that glaring need of receiver. They have money to spend right now. So if there is no bad blood between those two parties, that makes sense. It just doesn't make sense for the reason that they just traded him a year and a half ago, and it doesn't really seem like that would make sense that he'd now go back to the Raiders after all that. But, you know, I, I guess you can't rule it out. They do have a needed position. He's the best player on the market, so... From that standpoint, it makes sense. From almost every other standpoint, it doesn't. But ju just so I'm not saying the same things you were saying about the Cardinals and the Eagles, I'll say I'll throw the Raiders out there as another possibility because who knows? I, I you know maybe maybe it could happen in some universe. Um, let's talk about another one that this one isn't being talked about as much. But this guy's hitting free agency, and I think his free agency is going to be very interesting in the same way that Le'Veon Bell's free agency was very interesting last year. Melvin Gordon. Now last year, Le'Veon Bell held out. He got a contract that a lot of people considered to be not as lucrative as he otherwise was expected to get, and, you know, at least a little bit under market, but it was still a pretty decent contract for him. I mean, it wasn't totally a uh, low ball. He got a decent chunk of change from the Jets. Gordon, on the other hand, I don't think he's headed for the same kind of payday. That Le'Veon Bell contract didn't work out the way the Jets wanted it to. The rest of the league is looking, and, and, and I think the mentality of 
don't pay running backs has grown. Gordon's value definitely dropped after what the Chargers did with Austin Eckler. I think people looked at that situation and said they were they were probably having more success with Eckler as running back than they were with Gordon. And I think that kind of further, uh, you know, emphasized that point of you really don't need to pay running backs a lot of money. You really don't need an elite running back. Uh, to have success and you know it's really more about the offensive line and all these other external factors so I think his market pretty much went in the tank I don't think it could have ended up his holdout situation could have gone any worse for him Uh, so I think he went from being a guy that could have even seen the franchise tag placed on him to now the Chargers are putting the franchise tag on Hunter Henry he's hitting free agency and I think it's kind of stunning how how he's fallen from grace but now I think you're looking at a situation where I still think Melvin Gordon is a really good running back. I think he's going to get paid less than he probably deserves. And I think people are going to look up in you know midway through next season and say, wow, whatever team signed Melvin Gordon got him for a steal. So, I mean, a few teams I'll throw out there. I'll throw the Dolphins out there just because they have a need at running back. They have a ton of cap space. And if they're smart and they say, we can get Melvin Gordon for 8 or $9 million a year, like, I, I get it, you don't pay running backs, but when you can get a guy that talented, you have the cap space to do it, and, you know, you, you might as well go after him. So I, I don't totally hate Melvin Gordon for the Dolphins. I think another team i throw out there is the Buccaneers. They have a need at running back. That's pretty much the only need they have on their offense at all, and they have a ton of money to spend. And so this is another team where I would say, let's just play this scenario out. If you get Tom Brady, and you have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin... Okay, and then you still have $45 million to spend. Why not just go all in on that offense, add Melvin Gordon for $8 million a year, solidify the running back position, and then all of a sudden, you have one of the best offensive units we've seen in recent memory. Like, I don't know who's stopping that offense, especially if Tom Brady is MVP-level Tom Brady, has a season, which I think he's capable of, of like Peyton Manning's first season in Denver when he passed or 55 touchdowns and all that. I think in that offense with Tampa, with all those weapons, with that head coach, that's not out of the realm of possibility. I know people think Tom Brady's older and he's not as good anymore. I think if he if you put him in with all those weapons, you're going to see some magic happen. So I, I would love to see Melvin Gordon end up there. If Tom Brady ends up signing with the Buccaneers, I think that is the perfect situation. All the stars align, and I think that offense would be so fun to watch. Yeah, um, I, I agree that you know that would be going from you know one of the now, I won't say the worst offenses in football, but you know they they didn't execute ever when they needed to. They scored a lot of points, but just not a consistent offense offense with Jameis Winston and you know what they had last year. But yeah, you add Melvin Gordon, and he's you know kind of the type of running back that I think you want to have with Tom Brady. I mean, obviously you want to have a guy who can catch the ball. Brady's thrived with receiving running backs, but you know you can find someone like that you know in the third round of the draft who can come in and be kind of a scat back. But you saw this year for the Patriots that what they were kind of missing was when they get down in those, you know, on the three yard line situations, first and goal, second and goal, whatever it is, you need to be able to pound the ball in in the Tom Brady offense. Melvin Gordon could certainly do that. I will say there's one other team that I like probably the most. Um, and I agree with you about Gordon's value because, you know, you look at Le'Veon Bell and he, even his holdout didn't really work how, you know, he planned or wanted it to. He, you know, basically got a little bit less than what he would have gotten if he just, you know, signed with the Steelers back before he held out. But, you know, you're looking at Le'Veon Bell and that's a guy who's two-dimensional. So Melvin Gordon, who's more of a one-dimensional running back, you know, you have to think like you well, s- hold on. I'm just going to cut you off for a second here because Me- Melvin Gordon 
don't don't discount him as a pass catcher because he's had seasons. These are his five seasons in the NFL in receptions. 33 receptions, 41 receptions, 58 receptions, 50 receptions, and then last year, even with the holdout, 42 receptions. So Melvin Gordon, although not known for his pass catching necessarily and maybe overshadowed in that department by Austin Eckler at times during his career with the Chargers, he's a guy that can catch passes, does catch passes, and, you know, more two-dimensional than he's given credit for usually yeah and you know what those those numbers I, I you got to agree with the numbers the proof is in the pudding I just you know he doesn't fit that mold I guess and that's kind of a cliche um but you know what I don't think you're signing Melvin Gordon because of that I think you're signing Melvin Gordon to put his head down and run through people um sure I, I would just say I like I said more two-dimensional than he's given credit for and he can't he, he better pass catcher than he's given credit for he can't he can do it I think more than people realize at some points, so and not just you. I think a lot of people fail to fail to recognize that Melvin Gordon does that. And I, like I said, I think the fact that the Chargers have a guy like Austin Eckler, who people perceive like, oh, he comes in when they need someone a running back to catch the ball. That's what people think when they look at the Chargers, because that's what they do so often. But Melvin Gordon does a lot of catching the ball himself. Just because they have someone on that team that is better at it than him doesn't necessarily mean he can't do it. And if anything, it's kind of surprising that he's put up the numbers in that department that he has given the fact that they have had a guy in Austin Eckler who is so, so good at catching passes. They're still willing to say, you know what, at, at certain times, we have two guys that can do it really well, so let's do it with Melvin Gordon too. And I think maybe in an offense where they don't have that same kind of pass-catching threat in Austin Eckler, those numbers could even get better. I don't know. I'm not going to say that for certain, but I think that that's a, you know, just looking at the numbers here, Gordon is, is dynamic, and he's just as dynamic as, I don't want to say anyone in the league, but I mean, I think that he's a guy that would fit perfectly with Tom Brady as a guy that can do a little bit of both. Yeah, so I'll just get to the the other team that I was thinking, um, and that's the Houston Texans. I know that's kind of um, an, an obvious one because people have been mentioning it really since the holdout and, and you know, leading up to the trade deadline because the Texans, kind of a team that, you know, has pretty good offense, you know, really good weapons, um, but kind of lacks in the running back department. I mean, I, I know Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson ended up doing a, a, a solid job for them um, but, you know, if you could get a running back like Gordon, that, you know, that takes even more pressure off of Watson, who, you know, in key moments, they really kind of a lot of times had to abandon the run game and, you know, put the weight of the world on Watson's shoulders. So I think, you know, that's a that's an obvious fit. Um, obviously, the, the financial will play into that and, you know, how much he's just, you know, he's demanding on the market. Um, but I think the Texans feel, at least to me, like like a solid fit and somewhere where we'd have a lot of success. I absolutely agree. And, you know, you have Lamar Miller hitting free agency there, who obviously was injured last year. So they they definitely have the money if they want to, to go out of that position. They don't, you know, they don't have as much tied up into Lamar Miller anymore. So if they want, Lam- if they want uh, Melvin Gordon, they can absolutely go out and get him. I think that's a good team for him. The last players here that we're going to talk about uh, are really the, the QBs. So we're going to talk about three guys, Rivers, Bridgewater, and Winston. So let's let's go one by one through these guys. Uh, you know, we're going to go a little bit rapid fire, not as, not as uh, you know, take as much time as we did with these other players. But let's start with Rivers because his market's gotten really interesting. Uh, where do you think he could end up? Um, I, I think, personally, I think the best fit for him, and, and really, honestly, I just have one, one team that comes to mind, and I think it's the Colts. Um, I think they're a team who, on both sides of the ball, arguably, are, are pretty ready to compete, you know, at the top of the AFC and make a playoff push. And, you know, I, I get a little soft spot for, you know, Jacoby Brissett. 
obviously, you know, groomed up with the Patriots and moved on. Um, but I don't know if they trust him. I, I think he's a pretty solid NFL quarterback, but it doesn't seem that they, you know, wholeheartedly trust him. I can't remember the exact comment, but the GM wouldn't fully commit to him this offseason, kind of leaving the, you know, the door open a crack for something else. Phil Rivers is a guy who, you know, you get on a, a probably two-year deal, you bring him in, see if he can have a little career renaissance and make that run that he was never able to make. I don't know. It, to me, just, you know, feels like I think Phil Rivers would probably be a pretty good Indianapolis Colt, and I think they'd be better with him than they would be with Brissett. Yeah, I think with Rivers, it's been the same two teams all along. It's been the Buccaneers or the Colts, and he did move to Florida, so it seems like he's angling himself to go to the Buccaneers. So I think if they don't get Tom Brady, I think he goes to the Buccaneers. It's pretty easy, uh, pretty easy one for me. I'll, I'll just run through the rest of these guys. Winston is is such an interesting one. I'll, actually, I'll, I'll go with Bridgewater before I even go Winston. Bridgewater, you hear the Bucks now. I, I don't know if I buy into that because I do think that they probably end up going with Rivers uh, if he's available to them. I mean, looking down the list of teams here, it's it's hard to find a team that really needs a quarterback, has cap space, makes sense. I don't know if the Redskins would take a chance on him uh, given that they have Haskins. I don't know that the Broncos would take a chance on him given that they have Drew Locke. But if I had to throw two teams out there, It'd probably be those two teams. I don't know if, you know, the Jaguars are another team that doesn't have a lot of cap space, but if Bridgewater's market falls, could they end up being a team in line for him? Uh, you know, I, so I think, you know, maybe even the Bears. So these are teams that I would even throw out there with Winston because I, I don't see any of these teams signing James Winston. The Dolphins have a ton of cap space and a need at quarterback. I just, I look at, I look at Winston and I think a lot of NFL teams see him and they see what Bruce Arians got out of him last year and think that's that's the best version of James Winston you're going to get is 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, and over 5,000 yards. Like, crazy statistical season, but just cannot hold on to the football. So I, I just look, I think these teams look at it and think it would be a stupid investment to sign James Winston. I don't think the Dolphins are going to do it. I don't think the Colts are going to do it. I mean, the Buccaneers, I guess I wouldn't rule out them re-signing him, but I doubt it. And when you go down the list, I mean, he might have to take a contract significantly lower than I think people would even expect. I I know that people don't think the world of Jameis Winston, but I still think people might be surprised by how low the number he is that he's going to get is in free agency, because I don't see a lot of suitors out there. I don't think a lot of teams are going to be really excited to bring him in. So he might have to take a really a below market contract to latch on as a starter with any of these teams. I just, I, I, I cannot figure out his market. I don't think anyone can figure out his market. Like, there are teams out there that, that I mean, the Jaguars seem committed to Minshew. I don't know if, the, the Bears don't have a lot of cap space at all. Would they really, I don't even know that they'd look at him over over Mitchell Trubisky. They might rather just go forward with Mitchell Trubisky than pay Jameis Winston anything. So, it is really hard to figure out any team that you would set you would feel good about linking Jameis Winston to at this point. Yeah, I agree, and it, it's kind of odd. Another guy who you know is probably supposed to be a little bit better than he ever ended up being, um, and it's just the decision making. It's like. You know, you've heard Bruce Arians say it that, you know, it's like this guy could be the greatest quarterback in the league if he, you know, was smart. And I just don't think there are that many teams that really want to deal, uh, you know, with trying to figure it out. I mean, if Bruce Arians couldn't get him to throw less than 30 interceptions, I don't really know a team out there who could. Um, I mean, there are some teams that I've heard and, and, you know, I don't even know how great I feel about these teams as destinations for Winston, but I've seen in rumors um, the Panthers, the Chargers, the even the Raiders, and like I, none of those really 
like move the meter for me and make me think that those organizations would really want to go after Jameis Winston. So I think you're right. I think it's going to be somewhere, you know, once a lot of the other dominoes fall somewhere that maybe says, all right, we'll, we'll give you a, a one-year deal for decent money with a, a player or a team option on the second season. And, you know, you try to do the, the prove it type deal um, and get yourself back to, you know, maybe the, the market value that you thought you'd have when you hit the open market. Um, and then with Bridgewater, I mean, I'm just going to mention one that's really interesting. And I know we're going to get into the Tom Brady stuff, but I mean, if he does leave the Patriots, I think the Patriots will at least kick the tires on Teddy Bridgewater. I, you know, obviously we've heard some other names and stuff and, you know, the, the salary cap would still be an issue because even if Brady's gone, you got that $13.5 million that, you know, becomes dead money on your cap. Um, but I don't know. I think that's a player that Belichick would be intrigued by, a smart player. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, it's unlikely, but I think it's a possibility that, you know, if all else fails for the Patriots, maybe they give Teddy a call. And then the other one I'll say is, uh, you know, something that I've heard often this offseason would be Teddy Bridgewater to the Chargers. Um, you know, they kind of ha- have an open spot there. You know, they don't really have an heir apparent to Phil Rivers. I mean, they have Easton Stick and I think still Tyrod Taylor, but those aren't your starting guys. Um, so maybe they go for it in the draft or maybe they go for Teddy Bridgewater and a quarterback in the draft. Um, I'm not sure, but I'd say Chargers for Bridgewater. Um, and then for Winston, like I said, I-, I really don't know. I just don't. Maybe the XFL for Jameis Winston. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are there, are there any free agents out there that you want to link to the Patriots at all? Guys that you might be interested in them bringing in, uh, you know, maybe not top-of-the-market guys, but just, just guys that you think they, they could... Maybe you're talking about top-of-the-market guys, though. Maybe you have a few names that you think they might be able to afford, but guys that you'd like to see them bring in, or at least consider bringing in. So I, I think there's obviously the one wide receiver name that everyone has kind of latched onto is Emmanuel Sanders, but I'm going to bring up another name uh, just, you know, for the sake of parity here. I think potentially Robbie Anderson could be a very interesting addition for the Patriots. I mean, you heard him say how he would love to play with Tom Brady. And I know, you know, maybe we're buying into a tweet uh, too much here because the Patriots need to want Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson can't just want them. Um, And that's also assuming that Tom Brady stays. So I think it's really tough. Um, But yeah, I think Robbie Anderson is an interesting one. And then I don't know if the Patriots are going to have the cap space. The new CBA bodes well with, you know, an extra 10 million or so cap space for them to try to make a move. But everyone's getting that extra 10 million. So I'm not exactly sure if it'll be advantage Patriots for Austin Hooper. Um, I think that is, you know, the most glaring need, at least in my opinion. I just think a lot of the problems on the Patriots offense last year stemmed from the fact that they didn't have any consistent receiving threat out of the tight end position and you want to talk about a consistent receiving threat at that position that is Austin Hooper a guy a little bit a little bit underrated um I think because you know after the Falcons you know blew the Super Bowl against the Patriots they haven't really been back in the spotlight and people have kind of written them off but I mean Austin Hooper has been phenomenal. I mean, if, you, if you're a fantasy football player and you had Austin Hooper on your team last year, you know how phenomenal he was. So I think that's a guy who could make a big difference for the Patriots. But this is all, you know, kind of like I said, assuming Tom Brady stays. Because then do you really go shell a bunch of money at Austin Hooper if you're not, you know, making that last push with Tom Brady? So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that remains to be seen. But those are the names that at least come to my mind. Yeah, uh, Robbie Anderson, an interesting one. I actually had him in my column about you know who I think the Patriots should target, names I think they should target, and you know he's probably going to be the second best wide receiver on the market. As time's gone on, I've kind of looked at it and said you know he's he's going to get a, a big chunk of change. I, I don't I think he's going to get really overpaid, and I just I don't see it working out for the Patriots as much as I did like two or three weeks ago. 
Austin Hooper is a guy that, I mean, he had a career year last year. He had the best year, uh, best season of his career by far. He had career highs in touchdowns and receptions and only played 13 games. So he, uh, you know, he by far had the best season he's ever had. Um, you know, and, and was that just a contract year? Or was that something you can trust? I, I don't know. I, I think the teams aren't going to trust it. I think he's young enough that people are just going to look at it and say he just emerged. He's going to be a really good tight end in this league. And I tend to agree, but I, there is that risk there that you take, and, and you, you hope that he's he's still going to be as good once he gets to you. I mean, he had a good year in 2018, uh, you know, not as good as he was last year through the first, you know, three quarters of the season before he got hurt, but, uh, you know, it's still a solid year. So I think teams are going to, uh, you know, teams are going to trust that and buy into him. I don't know if the Patriots will. I don't think they're going to have the money to, to throw at Hooper, especially being, I mean, you could argue the top receiving option on the market maybe. that You know, you talk about, I, t- I said that, uh, Robbie Anderson was the second best wide receiver on the market. Austin Hooper might be the second best receiver period on the market after Amari Cooper. So uh, I, I think that uh, that's going to be tough to sneak under the cap. If I had to bring up one other guy, I might say Leonard Williams. I mean, the Giants, I've I've heard rumors that the Giants are thinking about franchise tagging him. I don't know that he'd be worth that at all. I don't, I mean, I don't think he's even close to being worth that kind of money, the franchise tag money. So He's a guy that I could see. I mean, he was working out with Richard Seymour this offseason, reportedly. He's a guy that I think if the Patriots brought him in, you get him in that system, you use him in the right spots. He's a very talented guy. Obviously, he was a high draft pick. That if you if you want to spend a little bit of money on a guy but not pay the top of the market, I think Leonard Williams is a guy you could do that with. Now, if, if he, I might be misreading his market completely because the fact that the Giants were considering franchise tagging him threw me for a loop. But if, if, he, if it's the right number, I think Leonard Williams could be a good fit with the Patriots. Yeah, that is, that is an interesting name. That's one that honestly did not cross my mind. But, you know, like you said, the, he could be kind of, um, you know, left behind a little bit on, on the top of the market deal. So, I mean, yeah, that would be something interesting. And I think he's a player that, you know, Belichick could get the most out of that, you know, maybe other teams haven't been able to get so far. Yeah, so let's let's end here with Tom Brady. Uh, we haven't talked about him for the whole podcast. We're going to do it here at the end. I just want you to handicap if you had to pick one right now or is, is he leaving or is he staying? Because right now, I think I would still lean that he's staying, especially with the Titans re-signing uh, Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if I mentioned it already, but they had the second best odds at signing Tom Brady late last week, and the Patriots were still the odds-on favorite. They remained the odds-on favorite throughout this entire process, okay? So the Patriots, the, the, where the, the group that matters, Vegas, the, the group that's actually putting their money where their mouth is, they still think Tom Brady's headed back to the Patriots. So if there's one source you should trust, it's probably them. So I would still pick him as well with Vegas going back to the Patriots at this point. But if there was one team, I've said it already, if there was one team I would like to see him with other than the Patriots, it would definitely be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because I think that offense with him would look amazing. I think he has a chance to win MVP there. I think he has a chance to break numerous records there, uh, single season records. So... I would love to see him in that offense. On top of that, you get to see Tom Brady versus Drew Brees twice a year. I think that's great. Uh, and so if, if, the, if it's probably going to come down to those two teams. That's what people seem to seem to say. It seems like the Buccaneers are the only team that's expressing serious interest in Tom Brady at this point. I still don't rule out the other teams. I'm barely believing anything I hear. So who knows? The Redskins could still be in it. The Chargers could still be in it. He could still go to either of those teams. But uh, as far as that entire field, the Titans... Chargers and uh, Buccaneers. The only field I can see is realistic. I don't throw the 49ers in there. Uh, but I, I would say that I would love to see him with the Buccaneers, but I, I think he ultimately comes back to the Patriots, and that's obviously 
where we all want to see Tom Brady at the end of the day. We want to see him continue his career with the Patriots, retire as a Patriot. And I think, you know, Tom Brady's ultimately going to look at it and just decide the grass isn't greener somewhere else. And the big thing for Brady here is, uh, you know, I I think getting that seventh ring is more important than people realize because a lot of people talk about beating Michael Jordan and getting ahead of Michael Jordan. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, he has the most rings of any player you know, in in the NFL history, and he tied Michael Jordan, so that's a fine number. But uh, and a lot of people look at the rings and they say, well, Bill Russell's the number. If you you know, you can't expect to get the most rings because Bill Russell has the you know the eleven rings, and that's if you're really chasing it, that's the number you're chasing, not Michael Jordan's. And at the end of the day, it, it is more so about Jordan because it, we're talking about the modern era of sports. All right, in the modern era of sports, Jordan is considered the goat across the board, and I think across sports. And if you beat out Jordan, if you have more rings than Jordan, that is really the benchmark. Bill Russell isn't the benchmark. Michael Jordan became the greatest of all time in the history of basketball and this iconic figure. And at the end of the day, that's what Tom Brady's trying to surpass. It's Bill Russell does not have the same juice as Michael Jordan has, unfortunately. So if you can get, get beat out Michael Jordan in rings, that gives you a whole different level, you know, a whole different status. So I, I don't know that he, you know, raised above Michael Jordan's level in terms of legendary uh, athletes if he got that seventh ring. But I think it's a huge feather in his cap. And, I mean, the debate's probably already there. Who's better uh, across sports? Who's who's the best athlete since, you know, 1980 or whatever? Is it Tom Brady or Michael Jordan? You could probably already have that debate. But I think if Brady really beats out Jordan, it makes it a whole lot more serious because I think people ultimately would lean Jordan because of his individual accomplishments on top of his team accomplishments. And I think if Brady gets that one extra ring, especially if it is with another team, then that that switches up the whole argument and it changes things forever. So, you know, I hear people say all the time that in, as a counter to that Michael Jordan-Brady argument that Bill Russell's really the guy who's the king of rings, and in my mind, it's just, it's different with Jordan. It's because he was able to do it in the era where there were more teams than just, you know, the eight or so teams that were around when Bill Russell did it. He's, he was more of a, you know, more people, more people watched his games. It was, well, the sport was more developed than it was in the fifties and sixties. And he is widely regarded as that, like I said, that greatest athlete. So uh, I think that people tend to overlook that, that level of competition and, and try to dismiss it too much. And I think it's it's more prevalent than people realize. So hold on, let me reset that. Actually, let me let me reset, let me reset all of that. So uh, because I I went through a lot of things there. So where do you see Tom Brady ending up? Where would you favor right now? Would you favor him staying or leaving? And then you can get into the Jordan stuff that I also mentioned at the end there. Yeah. So with Tom Brady, I think right now um, I'm kind of torn. I think it's somewhere around fifty fifty. I think today's news of you know, the Tannehill contract and Tennessee being out of the sweepstakes. I think that bodes well for the Patriots. But then you have Tommy Curran today who writes that, you know, it's not looking good for the Patriots and Tom Brady to figure something out. You had Dale Arnold this week say that Belichick wants to pay him what he paid him last season. So ultimately, I think there's like it's a two it's a two faceted question like does Tom Brady probably want to return to the Patriots at this point and chase that legacy yes probably he probably realizes that it's his best option especially with you know San Fran kind of saying yeah we're going to stick with Jimmy G and Tennessee yeah we're going to stick with Ryan Tannehill I yeah the Bucks I mean that you're right that offense would be incredible um, but it's just not a winning franchise it never really has been a winning culture I mean I, I know they you know, have had their years here and there and, you know, back in like 2000 or whatever. But 
ultimately, I don't know if he's willing to, you know, make that jump to a a completely different culture that, you know, isn't ingrained in winning and being in the playoffs every season. So I think what Tom Brady wants is the Patriots. And obviously, he's not going to say that is all the leveraging and posturing and, you know, leaking reports about certain teams that, you know, might want him. I mean, it's all a game. It's, It's a chess match that, you know, they're really playing against each other. But then there's Bill Belichick. And if this is really true, that Bill Belichick doesn't want to give Tom Brady, you know, what Tom Brady feels he deserves, maybe that is the final straw. And Brady says, no, I'm not taking another pay cut. I've done this my whole career. I asked you this one time to, you know, appreciate me and give me what I deserve. I mean, look, if Ryan Tannehill got north of $29 million a year, and obviously not all of it is guaranteed, but that's the, that's the number right now. If that's what Ryan Tannehill got, and, and Brady got 15 last year, I mean, I'm not necessarily comparing the players, but you cannot pay Brady half of what Ryan Tannehill just got you know, within a matter of days and expect him not to feel spited. So I really don't know what to think. I'm, I'm a little bit torn on the whole thing. I kind of have been all along, trying not to buy too much into reports. I will say this. I think if Bill Belichick comes to Tom and even gets that number up to 21-ish, 22, show him a little appreciation, still, you know, definitely below what market value is at the quarterback position, I think you probably convince him to stay. I think Tampa Bay is a bigger jump, and that seems to now be with, you know, Tennessee out of the picture and... You know, I, I don't know. The Raiders have said they're probably out of the picture. The Niners probably out of the picture. I mean, I, I think kind of what Bill was saying all along, and maybe this is why there's rumors leaking that you only want to give him what he got last year, is because Bill probably knew, and I, I had heard this before, that people around the situation thought that Belichick believed that Brady's market would not be as robust as, you know, maybe Tom thought it would be. And I think honestly that. You know, it's tough to know what is 100% true, but I think that's coming to fruition. You know, Pro Football Talk said Tom Brady's number one choice was the San Francisco 49ers. They're not moving on from Jimmy G. They're, they're comfortable where they're at. You know, Tennessee, clearly they were comfortable where they're at too. John Gruden sounds like he's comfortable with Derek Carr. So, you know, if it comes down to the Bucks and the Patriots, like, you know, Pro Football Talk and Chris Sims were kind of speculating earlier today, I think it's going to end up being the Patriots, um, but I I have my reservations. It's, you know, Bill Belichick is the king of the quote unquote, this is a business. You know, I'm not going to let emotion play into, you know, what we're trying to do as a football team. So I I don't really know where Bill Belichick's head is at because he's surprised us many times before. Um, But you know, if, if I had to, you know, put my money on it, I would say Patriots right now, but I'm not totally convinced, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I mean, if, you, if you're listening to what's out there, it seems like the better pick in terms of the odds is probably the field, because, uh, I mean, it doesn't, a bunch of people say, and there are reports out there saying, well, he's definitely gone, he's not coming back to the Patriots, well, okay, then, you can make money on the field easily, I mean, you know, if, if you're looking at what the odds makers are saying, so, uh, you know, I definitely would still pick the Patriots, but... You know, at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, yeah, if you if you want to play the odds, you want to make a bet on it, then you're you're better off taking somebody else with, with how the landscape's shaking out. But uh, Colin, thank you for coming on. That's going to do it for our NFL free agency preview. A lot we got through a lot there, and we'll see where these names end up. It should be an exciting free agency period. Uh, so Colin, thank you for coming on amid all this coronavirus craziness and uh, 
Make sure you stay safe. Do not get the coronavirus. All right. Yeah. Th- thank you for having me, KJ. It's uh, you know it's a lot of fun as always, and you know this 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 was nice. You know, like I like I said at the beginning of the episode, we've you know struggled a little bit to have a lot of things to talk about, um, and you know this was this was good. And I do want to just say while we were recording. Um, on Twitter, speculations have it that the NFL league year will start on time. So that is at least a little bit of bright news amidst this coronavirus stuff. But uh, like I said, KJ, thanks again for having me. I always love coming on and, you know, keep washing those hands and stay in quarantine, folks. I will say before we get out of here, we probably should just mention the CBA. Do you have any quick hit thoughts on the new CBA the NFL agreed to today? Honestly, my only thought would just be that I'm a little bit surprised. Like, I'm a little bit surprised that it went this quickly. Um, you know, you've seen problems with, uh, you know, almost every sports league in the past, you know, negotiating these CBAs and finding, you know, where we can get to that common ground. But I think it was, you know, basically the, the owners said, we get this extra game. Teams, you know, have a little more cap space. But also, I think the big thing is the, is the substance abuse thing. And, uh, you know, now there's not going to be any suspensions for marijuana or, you know, so that. I mean, it's something that a lot of players were fighting for, but I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm still a little bit surprised that it went this smooth, although they did say that the vote was very close. Yeah, it was. It was 51.5% yes, 48.5% no, which to me shouldn't pass. I mean, to me, it should be two-thirds majority or something. Like that. that should be a rule that, that most, a vast majority of the players should have to agree to it for it to pass. But, you know, I digress. It's not the rule. So, you know, ultimately, I look at it, and I, I don't like the 17-game schedule. I really, I'm in favor of keeping it at 16. It's been 16 for so long, I think 42 years. The vast majority of the Super Bowl era, um, it's been that way. And I just look at this, this is going to totally destroy the record books. And I know people, some people out there think that it was already kind of messed up. The game has changed so much. The passing offenses have changed so much that it didn't matter anyway. I still felt like it did. And, you know, the quarterbacks that we've watched here the last 20 years, I think a lot of people recognize those players as the elite of the elite, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, like th- those are the guys I want to see competing for these records. And I think that, yes, okay, NFL offenses have changed vastly, but I think it's impossible for it to get more pass heavy at this point. Okay, so I think at least we're, we're at the peak as far as that goes. And now the guys we see at the top could have still remained at the top for a very long time, you know, unless a greater player came along and broke those records. And Patrick Mahomes could have been that player anyway. But now it's going to be easy. It's going to be a cakewalk for him to break the single-season touchdown record, the single-season passing yards record, the career passing yards record, the career passing touchdowns record, especially, you know, the, the latter more so than the former. So I look at it, I don't like that rule change. I really think that it, it takes away from those record books, uh, record books that I liked looking at, and now I'm just going to view as totally disingenuous, totally useless, doesn't mean anything. Uh, and, it, it, you know, I, I hate that that's going to get taken away. Joe Burrow will probably break all these records. You know, who knows who else? It's just going to be so much, you know, the, all those guys, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, they're going to fall completely off the top 10 eventually. It shouldn't take long for that to happen. You just find 10, you know, th- these these young quarterbacks in the league. Who knows, Lamar Miller, I mean, or Lamar Jackson, rather, he could break some of these records. I know that a lot of people view him more as more as a running threat, but he led the league in passing touchdowns last year as well. So, I mean, he's a guy that could emerge here and, and end up at the top of these lists. Deshaun Watson, whoever else, you name it, any decent, any, like, I guess above, or I shouldn't, any borderline elite or elite quarterback 
that's young enough in the league right now is going to end up at the top of these lists over some of the legendary quarterbacks that we've seen here over the last 20 years. And that's what really frustrates me, that these record books are going out. The playoff stuff I actually like. I actually like the one buy per conference. I think that's good. I've heard arguments against it that make sense as far as, you know, having two buys actually makes it so that, I mean, the better team might be the two seed. They might have just played a harder schedule. So the two buys actually helps in that regard. And I don't totally hate that argument. But at the same time, I look at it, I like the one buy. I like the extra playoff game. I don't see any problem with that. And I think that the one buy makes it more likely that you're going to see a team emerge from that wild card weekend to make the Super Bowl rather than just see the one and two seeds make it every year. Um, if the one seeds end up making it every year, that's going to become a problem. I just, I don't see that happening. It could, and that would obviously be a, a larger issue that the NFL is going to have to address. Like, if we see back-to-back years here where three out of four one seeds make it or four out of four one seeds make it to the Super Bowl in two respective seasons, then that's going to be a problem and the NFL is going to get a lot of heat for that. And I mean, we'll see how that plays itself out. So, but, but I don't really, you know, I'm not going to get into that right now. We'll see what happens in that regard. But I personally like the playoff changes. I just hate going to a 17 game schedule because uh, I'm, I'm a stat guy. I like looking at the stats. I like looking, I like looking at the records and this change just ruins it for me. Yeah. And, I think the one thing to note um, before we wrap up is just that this shows you where the owners' minds are at. It's it's all about money to them. It's about the money more than it is about the heritage or the history or the record books. And, and you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's better for the league as a whole. But but I agree with you. I, I don't love the 17 games. I also don't love that you know it's an odd number. Uh, maybe that's just me, but I, I hope that at least if we're going to get to 17 now, if we're going to do this, we might as well just go to 18 because, I, I mean, it seems like, yeah, you're adding two, another game when you didn't even want to add the first one, but 17 just feels like a very obscure number to me, doesn't feel right, and to me personally feels like they're planting the seed to ultimately try to get to 18 regular season games. All right, well, that's going to do it. Now that we've talked about the CBA, that's going to do it for the NFL Free Agency Preview. Thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at KJDBS. Follow the pod on Twitter at Advocate Smart Pod. Check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports. A lot of NFL free agency news is going to drop on at Guy Boston Sports, so make sure you head over there and follow it and turn on notifications for the Twitter as well because that's where you're going to get all the news for who's signing where, not just Patriots free agents, but everything across the board. So be sure to check that out. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.